Picture this, you're sitting down to watch a live poetry performance. The first poet takes the stage, and as they begin to read, they're accompanied by a live jazz band. If this sounds intriguing, well, you're in luck. International Jazz Poetry Month returns to Pittsburgh on May 2nd. The festival features more than 50 artists, including local jazz icons and poets from Algeria, Cuba, Sudan, and Ukraine. Tickets to watch online or in person at City of Asylum's home on the north side are free. Get yours at cityofasylum.org before they're gone. Today on CityCast Pittsburgh. Our city has flaws. We know this. It always has. And despite our Pittsburgh pride, complaining about those flaws is maybe one of our favorite pastimes. But it's not just us. You know, there's a long tradition of outsiders casting judgment on our town. We're revisiting Megan's conversation with local writer Virginia Montanez about the weirdest insults Pittsburgh has ever received from the past 200 years. It's Wednesday, January 31st. I'm Francesca DeBecco, and here's what Pittsburgh's talking about. I'm back with historian and author Virginia Montanez, who writes one of my favorite substacks all about Pittsburgh weirdness. And you've got a new column in Pittsburgh magazine that was just a treat to read. It was a treat to write <laughs> and research. It's all about how people have insulted Pittsburgh, the city, the people, its topography, starting in the 1780s and ending at about 1920 and Prohibition era. How did you even put all of this stuff together? Well, it first of all, it took a long time. And I bet. so it, it took me a year about of research. Um, but I figured, you know, I'm going to just start to collect these things and then I'll put them together for Pittsburgh Magazine. It's a great history column. Well, I was just could not stop. And they were just hilarious. And I just kept finding them and coming up with cool ways to research. Like, if I was going to insult the city, what would I do? And then I would search the newspaper <laughs> archives by that phrase. That was how I was finding some of the ones that others had not found. So, um, but that was, yeah, it's, it took me about a year and I loved it. Do you know why people have had so much vitriol for Pittsburgh and Pittsburghers over the years? I don't want to just be like this Yenzer who's like, they're just jealous. <laughs> but they are. I do think some of it was that. I think it's because Pittsburgh was always on the front edge of all progress. Even back then. We were on the even back then. We were on the front edge of, of being a trading town. We were the gateway to the West. We were where the railroads really, really started to, you know, go west. Then we're doing shipbuilding and iron. And then once we get steel, we have more millionaires than any other city. We're building New York City with our steel. It just is so easy to take a look at the smoke and go, that is terrible. So I, I do think it's because we were always at the front of people's minds as progress, just being on the front. Well, you were kind enough to give us a few of these choice insults in advance. So we got our friends and colleagues here at CityCast to record themselves reading them. They're so much fun. I can't wait for you to hear. Lots of common themes here. First up, our pollution and smoke. 
Oh, that smoke? I wasn't in town ten minutes before I was smutted from head to foot. The possession of a nose is almost a misfortune, for the city stinks. A murky mass of filth and heathenish nastiness. Before the doctors can vaccinate anybody there, they have to cut their way with a cold chisel through half an inch of solidified coal smoke. There is a fortune awaiting the man who perfects the scheme for bottling Pittsburgh water and selling it in Europe as American dye. Okay, I have to say this, first of all. This is a perfect illustration of making history come alive, right? <laughs> like the exactly. second you hear them, it's, it's, you can see it. It's, you can just imagine these people, how they would sound. It's, it's beautifully done. But yes, pollution, oh, it's going to be a common theme right up until the 1970s on, in Insults About Pittsburgh. And obviously, it's, it's, it's valid, it is. I mean, if you look at the old photos of the city, it is gross looking. It is like nighttime in the middle of the day in some pictures. Oh, absolutely. Depending on what the humidity was doing to hold in the smog, you know. Yeah. So but again, I think that that is sort of low hanging fruit to go after. Well, next up, our topography. And also, again, they're not wrong. Our city is really hard to navigate if you're not used to it. Um, sometimes even when you are, uh, Google can't even get it right a lot of the time. Or they try to send all of us off the bridge in a U-turn. Here we go. A town of sudden hillocks of hex and house with no straight lines and scarce a level hundred yards in its entirety. Some of the streets are crooked. And there seems to have been little attention paid to placing their names upon the corners. The principal direction of the streets is up and down. They ought to discard the streetcars and install elevators. Pittsburgh is undoubtedly the cockeyedest city in the United States. Physically, it is absolutely irrational. It must have been laid out by a mountain goat. <laughs> I love that everybody who participated in these for us, by the way, did it with a tone of voice, like an angry, I, how dare you tone of voice. For some reason in my head, when I was, I was like, is this going to come out with a British accent? I have no idea why. <laughs> like, I think it's just because just the insults and the snobbiness of it. Um, so, you know, the, the streets are not as commonly insulted as our wealth and our um, people and that sort of thing. But man, they were very imaginative and creative in their insults. And particularly that last one, which was by um, Ernie Pyle, the famed World War II journalist. He was the one that was just like, he could not figure out Pittsburgh streets. Somebody showed me that in my first week here in Pittsburgh, and it's been on my desk ever since, that exact insult, because I love it so much. Yes, and you know why? Because it's still true. (laughs) Um, well, and as you say, a lot of people had issues with us, with the folks who live here. Here are a few of the nastier things they had to say. Pittsburgh was a village at the close of the revolution, and some of the people look as if they had worn their clothes ever since. It has a dingy appearance and its citizens are likewise. Every person you meet looks as though he had either lost a near relative or expected to soon. Not has ever come out of Pittsburgh, but society women and filthy minded men spend their money like drunken sailors and don't care a hang who objects to their amusements. The most rabblish looking herd of rowdies ever congregated. Pittsburgh is a city inhabited by demons playing with fire. His delivery is somewhat marred by a buzzsaw Pittsburgh accent. (laughs) It's beautiful! (laughs) 
<laughs> we just don't care if we are obeying the fashion rules or the, the rules of how we should act based on our social status or um, keeping up with the Kardashians kind of thing. Yeah, it sounds like we've always had a, a slight disdain for decorum around here. Right. We just have never cared all the way back to the beginning where people were just like, they don't care about their clothes because their clothes are just going to get dirty so quickly. So they just wear whatever. (laughs) And I saw that theme so much of just like, they just do not care that they have smoke in their hair and they show up at the playhouse and their faces are all smoky. And that just continues. So even today, I feel like, you know, the, the real Pittsburghers, so to speak, I I don't care. (laughs) I just, I don't care about it. I see all the people. We just, we're just chill. Do you like to dance? Look at beautiful art, eat gourmet snacks, people watch? Well, mark your calendars for Friday, June 7th for one of my favorite parties in Pittsburgh. It's Mattress Factory's 25th Garden Party. The theme this year is make-believe, and it's all to celebrate and support the creatives in our community. There's going to be live music, an open bar, an art auction, and probably my favorite, the costume contest. Trust me, I will be judging yins, and so will everyone else there. Be playful, be imaginative, explore your magical realm because this is a theme party. You want to come dressed to impress. You must be 21 and up to attend and rest assured every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum, its art, its education, and all of its community outreach initiatives. Get your tickets now to the 25th Mattress Factory Garden Party. They are in our show notes and online at mattress.org. There was a special category of Pittsburgher that a lot of outsiders specifically seem to have an issue with, wealthy people. Um, Here's just one select quote. Pittsburgh is full of disgracefully wealthy men. (laughs) Disgracefully wealthy. Here's the deal. It was kind of. It was kind of in the mindset of the progressive era. People saw the immense wealth in Pittsburgh and they associated it with sin. Now, today, in hindsight, we can look back and see it as progress. And also we can see it as taking the natural resources that the city had and being smart and using our intelligence to create the things that built the world rather than sitting on it. And so all of that wealth wealth starts piling up and how soon we can forget as we look in hindsight that philanthropy, charitable giving, and the bigger picture, Pittsburgh has a huge part in that, in pushing that. Our industrialists, their names are still here because of that. We're, you're in the Benedum building. It's the, the Phipps. You know, all of these things, those names are still there because they gave the money. McGee Hospital. There's a reason we know all these names. So we have to balance that. 
No doubt, no doubt. Although, I mean, there was also some wealth hoarding happening. Some of those industrialists don't have the best reputation for sharing their riches with their workers. Like, that's how we got the labor movement, was born here in Pittsburgh. Right. Well, you know, my um, my undergraduate, you know, paper, my capstone research was on Andrew Carnegie's philanthropy and that he, you know, when he gave away all of his money, he only gave 1%, you know, his choice was to give 1% directly to the workers that earned him that well. Yeah. So there is there, there is a, that chance for us to say, well, did we agree with where he, if he's going to give us money away, do we agree with where he gave it? But at the same time, should you know, we were a target because there was just so much money in Pittsburgh. And they, it just seemed like that that has to be sinful. <laughs> well, speaking of that uh, debauchery, um, I think a lot of the insults you found must have come from the Prohibition era, um, because there's a there's a lot of judgment, a lot of fire and brimstone, if you will. Here's a sampling. One of the worst places for drunkenness and debauchery. The King of Terror has a pretty fair prospect of getting a goodly number of the sinners here. An honest reputation overshadowed by bizarre and criminal eccentricities. Sin-ridden Pittsburgh is the hardest evangelistic nut to crack. Worship on Sunday, whiskey on Monday, thus blending the spirits. Yes, we've got prohibition in Pittsburgh, but only on paper. This city of sin, immorality, and debauchery. The Sodom of America and the moral plague spot of the world. We, we've always liked the drink. <laughs> and the criticism of the people of Pittsburgh is always either their wealth, their scandal, which usually meant divorce, um, or political type scandal, or their behavior, meaning we, they weren't obeying the rules of social, you know, the social rules, or that they drank and played cards. What should we do? It's 1855. That, you know, we've worked hard all day making this steel or these ships or this glass, let us have a drink before our shift starts in the morning. And no, we're not going to put our good <laughs> clothes on. We're going to keep this on and we're going to go to bed. So this I is my want- one precious life and I'm going to use it with whiskey. Right. So I'm not surprised that outsiders knocked us for pollution, for wealth hoarding. All of that kind of seems fair for this era. But what about you? I mean, as you've been collecting all of these things for the last year, did any of it surprise you or kind of hit you as sort of out of left field? The content didn't surprise me. Like the subject matter never surprised me. Sometimes the extent to which they went, well, I'm just like, okay, calm down. Were writers just tossing these kinds of insults out at a bunch of cities during this era? Or was there actually something unique about Pittsburgh at this time that drew this specific sort of criticism, Um, particularly 1906? Because I was surprised how many of the insults you sent me were actually based around that very specific moment in time. Right. So, you know, first of all, again, we have the progressive movement happening. We want people are looking for more progress socially. But 1906 was a year of some scandal right around that time. There was some political scandal in Pittsburgh regarding sort of like bribery things. So if you have small political scandals happening and then you see, oh, but they're very rich and also that you just start paying more attention. Oh, now there's this, now there's this, now there's smoke and they have all this wealth and now this this person did that and they're getting divorced. And um, it just started to add up to Pittsburgh being this sort of 
poster child for everything wrong with industrial America. Uh, If you could sit down with any of the people who penned any of these insults back in the day, uh, would you argue with them? I'm curious if you'd try to come to Pittsburgh's defense. Well, I don't think it would be worth arguing with them only because I think if they were, if it was today, I would be like, let's just go up the incline. Like, I feel like that's all it would take. It's beautiful. Look at the industry. Look at this, you know, the gleaming skyscrapers. Look at the beauty. Breathe in the air. The clean air. Um, I I guess as a historian, I could just see where they were coming from in their moment. In their moment, they were making their mark on journalism. They were being sort of having this hyperbole style of, you know, writing. So I'm never one to argue with it. I'm more one to say, okay, but look at us now. Virginia Montanez is a writer, author, a historian. Um, She's got a wonderful ongoing project about visible pieces of Pittsburgh's past called Remains to be Seen. And you can read her column for Pittsburgh Magazine online. We will put a link in our show notes and at pittsburgh.citycast.fm. Virginia, thank you so much. Thank you. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. A huge note of thanks to our many friends, loved ones, and co-workers who lent their voice to today's show. That includes Brian Vance, Monique Sadig, Mallory Falk, Adam Demeray, Francesca DeBecco, Kent Benjen, Sophia Lowe, Simone Alisea, Natalia Aldana, Adrian Gonzalez, Caroline Patton, Priyanka Tilvey, Mark Hauser, and Jeremy Boren. If you enjoyed today's show, please tell someone, rate us, leave us a nice review, and of course, make sure you subscribe to that Hey Pittsburgh newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Talk to you soon. A lake of fire and flame, a miniature hell with the lid off. There are thousands and thousands of people who live in Pittsburgh and like it, but it is possible to get used to anything. I am of the opinion that the place has seen its best days. The place, I believe, will never be considerable.